They just took it for granted that I wasn't going to sing evidently this morning. So uh, I'll just sing a cappella. <laughs> ah, yeah. Brother Lawson got me a book. Uh, in fact, I have like three copies now in my library because the other, uh, I bought one for myself and then uh, also was given one several years ago when it was first printed called Heaven is for Real. Well, uh, heaven is for real. And I want to talk to you about heaven. There's been more songs written about heaven than probably any other subject. Um, my brother got up one day and uh, years ago in church, he just a little guy about John's age, whatever. And uh, he was wanting to sing in church. And so the pastor asked him, said, what do you want to sing about? And he said, I want to sing about my, my dog Spot. And uh, Brother Higgins said, I, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think, you know, I, I don't know if that would be appropriate for this morning's service. So he said, well, I'll just, I'll just sing about heaven. And he starts like this. I'm going to heaven. I'm going there when I die. I'm going to heaven in the sweet, sweet by and by. So angels take my order for a mansion and a crown. And in that book up yonder, just write my full name down. Amen. And so he trotted off the platform about heaven. They tell me of a city that's just beyond the sky. And they say the population will never, ever die. And there we'll walk forever upon those streets of gold. And in that land immortal, we'll never more grow old. Amen? Never had, Carl won't have to worry about any uh, adjustments in her body that they give us pills and shots. We'll, we'll be able to run that foot race for sure. Amen? Carl challenged me to a foot race today. So we'll be, we'll be racing here pretty quick. I want to talk about heaven and who will go there. Heaven is one of the greatest, not only has there been more songs written about heaven, but heaven is one of the great subjects of scriptures. In fact, it's mentioned almost 300 times in the New Testament alone, heaven is mentioned. And uh, so it, it is an interesting subject. And there's always been an interest in what happens after death. What happens after death? Something when you die, it's just all over. You're done, you're toast, end of subject. Have a blast while you last, because this is all there is. Now, it'd it, it, be surprised how many people have that, and that, that's the reason they do live, have a blast while you last, because if you think this life is all there is, go for it. Go for all the gusto you can, drink all you can, eat all you can, snort all you can. I mean, you'll have a blast while you last, if that's what you think, if this life is it. And there's some, there is some religious circles that thinks that when uh, an unbeliever dies that they just burn up and that's it and it's gone. And uh, if, some, if I believe that, I'd still have a blast while it lasts. If I didn't have no fear of judgment at the end of this life, why worry about it? Just do whatever you're big enough to do. That's no deterrent. Uh, hell is supposed to be a deterrent sometimes for doing the right thing. I, I used to, they, they used to preach hell so hot that, that I couldn't sleep at night until I prayed. I could be drunker and cooter, but boy, before I close my eyes, I wanted to make sure. <clears throat> I wanted to make sure. <laughs> now, something happened to me before I die, God. You know, the devil made me do this. You know, 
Uh, we want to blame somebody. But some believe there's a, there is an afterlife where we experience bliss and, and comfort and all these other things. And they've come up with all kinds of ways to achieve it. Uh, some believe you can earn your way uh, to that place and you can somehow balance the ledger and good works. And at some point in time, when you do happen to stand before the, the judge of all of the earth and you can present all of your good works, that somehow your good works will balance out the ledger and, and you're going to hear God say, well, that's okay. You're not perfect, but you got enough good works and you can just come on in. Now, those people that believe that, uh, I don't know how much faith they have in that or not because that is not what the Scripture says. No one, I don't care how good we are, can get into heaven on good works. Because the Scripture says our righteousness is as what? <clears throat> Filthy rags. So even, even on our best day, we couldn't earn a ticket into heaven. Your ticket to heaven was punched when Jesus died on the cross and shed His blood for your sins. Some teach that through a series of reincarnations, uh, you can achieve, uh, was it nirvana? I think that's what it's called. That uh, you either are, when you die, if you have not had good karma, if you've not been really good in your life, you've got bad karma, and, and if you've, you've built up enough, too much bad karma at the end of the life, you'll rein, be reincarnated at a lower level. And if you received, you know, uh, earned enough good karma at the end of this life, you'll be reincarnated to a higher level. And it's strange that all the people that believe this always believe that they have a good, a good, enough good works to be reincarnated to a higher level. But how would you like to come back as a roach? <laughs> Nobody talks about that, Mike. I mean, they just all think that they have better karma, and they're always going elevated. But nobody ever tells them about the time when in their past life they was a roach. They'll write about in their life where there was prostitutes or in the king's harem and all that stuff. Was some notable movie star wrote that she used to be, you know, a prostitute in a harem and all that stuff. Well, well, she needs to go farther back. What were you before that? A roach? Or maybe something lower. Uh, but they don't go that far back. You know, we're always wanting to be. And then if you can get enough good karma and be reincarnated enough and reach enough good karma, you can reach a place where you can reach uh, what they call nirvana where you can become one with the great spirit. What a waste of time. That wears you out just thinking about it, doesn't it? Just kill me. Cut my throat now. You know, it's, it's over. If I had to do all that. 80% of Americans believe that there is a place called heaven. And that's good news. And it lets us know that in this skeptical age, in an age where a lot of people don't want to believe in God, there is something deep inside the hearts of people that reaches out to hope. 80% believe in there's heaven. There has to be something better. You hear that voice. There's a longing in your heart. This is not as good as it can get. Now, if this is as good as it can get, something, in fact, some people believe, there's some religious people that believe that we're in the millennial reign right now. Boy, though those people, if this is the best God can do, let's just skip the whole mess. Huh. Lord. No, there has to be something better. And, and the truth is, there is something better. And the answer is, there is something better. Now, heaven is for real and so is hell. My dad stayed in hell. Why not? He ate there. And he called home. True story. He stayed in a place called hell, and, he ordered, and they ordered dinner. They stopped at the cafe, and they called home. Uh, did you know there's a place in California called hell? You didn't know that, did you? See how much good news you're getting today? You did not know that. Dad was hauling bale cotton out of Blythe, California, and somewhere uh, down there, there is a, used to be a, a little place called hell. 
and they had a cafe probably in a filling station, probably about all, all that existed. And so on the way down there, all the trucks pulled in in that little place called hell, and they ate dinner, and while he was there, he called home. <laughs> Got a phone call from hell. <clears throat> he didn't stay there. <laughs> Must have been the food. <laughs> I think the reason that the books about life after death is popular today is because people really believe and they are searching and they realize that in their heart there is something better after this life. Now, I, 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 you know, the movies that are coming out, we have some great movies that are coming out in our theaters that have religious content. Uh, the one about, you know, is God dead? I, the, one, the last one we watched where the guy debated, the, well, I don't forget the title now, the, the name of the movie. God is not dead. Uh, it was a great movie. And then the movie was made of this young boy, uh, uh, Burpo, uh, that went, Todd Burpo went to, you know, had a, went to heaven, come back, and the book was wrote, uh, Heaven is for Real. And, uh, but I want to say something to you. And uh, even though, even though those experiences that they had, I do, I do not doubt that that young boy had an experience. You and I cannot base our faith on someone else's experience. And I, and I read the book, and I enjoyed the book. And if you have not read it, I, I encourage you to get in and read it because it will encourage you. I cried. I, man, I read that thing, and I cried, and I wept through all the experiences that family went through and how this young boy over in bits of pieces of time began to reveal how he had had this experience. But you, you and I cannot afford to base your faith on someone else's experience. You have to get your own. Now, so, Pastor, are there testimonies about heaven we can trust? I want to give you really... Uh, five, real quickly, you can write these down. I'm, I'm going to give you five testimonies about heaven that you can trust. In fact, these testimonies come from this book. The book was already written. See, after death, experiences and visions of heaven have already been written. And we can go there and find out. Isaiah chapter 6, and if you read one, verses 1 through 6, it just simply says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And he was high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. I'm telling you, he's seeing heaven. He's having an out-of-body or a vision experience, and he is writing it down through the power of the Holy Spirit to, to begin to tell you what he saw. He saw angels that were standing ready. They had six wings. Two, with two wings, they, they stood ready to fly. With two wings, they covered their feet. And with two wings, they covered their eyes. It was a real literal vision of a heavenly scene. He saw the throne of God. He saw the glory of God so thick in, the, in God's temple that, that the glory and the magnitude of the glory shook the temple uh, where he was at. It was a real uh, life experience that, you, that Isaiah had. It's a testimony. You need to read that testimony. And then in Ezekiel, you can start in chapter 40 where uh, he begins to see a vision. He sees this, this city. He was taken to a mountaintop in Israel, and there he saw and he looked and he saw a, a, a new city and a, and a new Jerusalem. And he began to, in fact, uh, picture it and paint it out and even to measure the city. It was a vision of a city that was in a place uh, or a planet called heaven. And Ezekiel saw that. It was a real live testimony written in God's book that you could hold on to. Stephen in Acts chapter 7 and verse 55 through 56, as he was being stoned for his testimony that he had given to all the people around there, he said, I see heaven open. And I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. That wasn't a figment of his imagination. 
Heavens was open for, a, for just a glimpse moment uh, as he was beginning to die. Heavens was open and he caught a glimpse of heaven. Why is Jesus standing? Why is he standing up? Because the other place of the scripture said he is sitting. Jesus is standing up ready to receive Stephen because Stephen's about to die. And he's going to usher him into the presence of God. So Jesus is standing up to receive him because the moment his eyes closed in death, he woke up in his presence and Jesus was standing there to receive him. Heaven is for real. I don't care how many other books has been written about it. John on the Isle of Patmos, and I'm, I'll not take a, a lot of time, but if you read Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10, you'll find out that I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Wow. And he began to get revelation, and he said, I heard a voice, and I turned. And he began to see Jesus standing and walking amongst the candlesticks in, in the temple of heaven. And then a revelation after a revelation, and John began to write down for us in language that we could understand a place called heaven. I'm telling you, you don't have to go down and buy a book in, in Berean. You can open this book, and you can read real live testimonies of people who have saw that place and wrote, wrote descriptions down of what is taking place there. That your faith will not stand on the experience of somebody else that may or may not have really experienced that, but your faith can stand on what God has already told you about that place. Oh, there's other witnesses in the book about this place called heaven. The testimony of Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 2. He wrote in the third person, but notice what he says. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or whether out of the body, I do not know, God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. In other words, it, whether it's in the body or out of the body, I really didn't make a difference. God knows. But this is what happened. How he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, <laughs> which it is not lawful for a man to utter. I saw things. Paul said, I saw things. God revealed things to me that, I, that he didn't even give me the liberty to write things about. I think that's where we got the song, I can only Imagine, eye has not seen, ear has not heard the things that God has prepared for those who love him. We can only sit here and we can read the bits and pieces of the people who have actually seen that place. And we can only just imagine what heaven is going to be like. If even though we, they use words to paint the picture, I'm telling you, uh, the vocabulary has not been invented that can literally describe the glories of heaven like it's going to be when you get there. Heaven is for real. The third heaven, what is that? There's three, uh, all right, the first heaven is the atmosphere where the clouds are and the birds are. The second heaven is the uh, is space where the sun, the moon, and the stars are at. And then there's the third heaven where God dwells. Paul said, that's where I went. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. But the things I heard and the things that were revealed to me and the things that I saw in that place, I'm telling you, it was inexpressible, the things that I saw. Heaven is for real. Some of your friends and neighbors and loved ones that you know are there in that place right now. Whoo! And they are experiencing and seeing things that 
that is beyond our wildest imaginations. Why? Because God has prepared that place for us. Heaven, and get this, this is what we know about heaven. I'm going to give you three or four things here uh, real quickly this morning. Heaven is a real place. John chapter 14, verse 1 to 3. Let not your heart be troubled. Can you believe Jesus? You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, are many places. I would have told you, I go to prepare a what? Place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there, you may be also. Heaven is a real place. Notice, he uses the term place. It is something real. A place is a reference point. How do you get to so-and-so's place? Well, you go down here to the old oak tree, and you turn left at the old oak tree. That's a place. A place is a reference point. God says, do not, Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. There is a prepared place. God has, is there, and he has prepared a place, a reference point for you, something that is real. Get this, heaven is God's dwelling place in my Father's house. In heaven is where God dwells. It is his house. Angels are there. Isaiah saw them. Others have saw them. Heaven is filled with real people. Why? Because he said, I go to prepare a place for who? You. Heaven right now is populated with real people. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20 just simply says this. For our citizenship is where? The moment you and I receive Christ as our Savior, you may be a citizen of the United States. You may be living here, but your real citizenship is in heaven already. Why? Because your ticket's been punched. We're just passing through, and our citizenship now, yeah, I'm in this world, and I'm going through this world, but I'm a citizen of another place. I know it's real. My citizenship papers are there. I have received the title deed to the blood of Jesus Christ for that place in heaven, my place. He went to prepare a place for you, and for you, and for you, and for you, and for me. I got a place. And when I die, I know where I'm going. I'm not going to be floating around on some cloud, polishing up a halo. I'm going to a place, a literal place that God has prepared specifically for me. <laughs> if this don't get your crank to go on, you're dead. <laughs> oh, for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, if I don't die and go to where my citizenship is at, it, then, then Jesus is going to come back from that place to get me. It is known as the catching away of the church or, or the rapture of the church. If I don't die and go in death, he's coming after me. So either way, hey, I've got it covered. You're covered. You're covered. Notice, what is heaven like? <laughs> I can only imagine. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 16. Now, if you're not familiar with Hebrews chapter 11, it is, it is filled with all the heroes of faith. And it talks about all of them. And uh, it talks about that they were pilgrims and strangers. And it talks about at the end of their life, here's something that was said of them. But now they desire a better that is a heavenly country. 
They'd already got tired of this place. By faith, Abraham looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. Isn't it true? But now they desire better. That is a heavenly place. King James says a better country. Listen, there's a better country than, than U.S. of A. Even though I've been, I've been to a lot of countries, and, and I've seen some beautiful things, and America is just as beautiful as any country in the world. But I want to tell you, this book says there's a better place. There is a better country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. God has prepared a city for you. <laughs> what is it like? I won't give you the scriptures, but you can read in, in Revelation chapter 20, 21. John described its foundations. Twelve manners of precious jewels. He described the gates of solid pearl. The streets of purest gold, transparent gold. Rivers of crystal-like water flowing down the middle of the street from the throne of God in that city. The tree of life and the trees that, that bear fruit 12 months out of the year, all year round. They don't just bear in one, one season, but they bear fruit all year round, the, the, the trees of those, the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. I'm telling you, it is a, an absolute fabulous place. The atmosphere is charged with joy and laughter because there's no sorrow and no sadness in that place. The atmosphere is filled with the fragrance of roses from God's eternal flower garden where the air that people breathe turn invalids into athletes. I'm telling you, it is a wonderful place. There's no sickness there. There's no death there. There's worship. There's music like you've never heard before in your life. There's worship. I'm telling you, you're free from sin's curse. It is a great and a glorious place. And you and I can only sit here and imagine how glorious it is. Yeah. Who is in heaven right now? Well, Father God is there. The Lord Jesus is there, sitting at the right-hand side. Angels are there. Uh, innumerable amount of angels around God's throne, going, coming, busy, ministering spirits, messenger angels, guardian angels, and the list goes on and on and on. The believers of all ages from every continent Every culture who died in faith and, and waiting uh, for the redemption of their, of their bodies. Children who died before the age of accountability. Special needs children who have been born are mentally unable to grasp a gospel message. And the list goes on. Aborted and miscarried children. Listen, if you're here and you had, had a child uh, miscarriage, I'm telling you that child is waiting for you on the other side. Those babies that died in, in that crib, I'm telling you, they may have ceased to breathe here, but they have not ceased to exist because they're with God the Father. God loves children. In fact, He used children on many different occasions. He said, except you become as a little child, you'll in no wise enter the kingdom. It is, it is there. The aborted children, if you're here and you had an abortion, you've asked God to forgive you, I'm telling you, that child is waiting uh, on the other side. It is there with God the Father. He's in heaven. They're in heaven right now, numbering in the millions. Then the question comes, will we know each other? 
in heaven. Boy, how many times have you been asked that? Will we know each other in heaven? Will I know my wife? I hope not. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> I'm only teasing. You knew, you knew me. You knew I had to say something before I got out of here, did you? <laughs> oh, God. Well, you know your husband. Do you want to? <laughs> I get it. I mean, can't. That's already over it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Will we know each other? Oh, my. I want to read a, a quote from, by R.A. Torrey, a, 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 an old... A preacher from the past who wrote several books. He said, we may be sure that we shall not know less in heaven than we know now. And I, when I read that quote that he made, I'm thinking, that is, so, that is so good. And some of you may have not caught that this morning. I want to read it again. He said, we may be sure that we shall not know less in heaven than we know now. God is not going to wipe out your knowledge. Right? Some of you might want your knowledge erased. Okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 12. For now we see in a mirror, what? Dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. How does God know us? He knows us completely. He's the only one that knows you inside and out. He knows you not only completely, he knows you intimately. He was there while you were being fashioned in your mother's womb. According to Psalm 139, you, 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 you didn't know he was there, but he was there. And in the fabric of when you was being fashioned in your mother's womb, God the Holy Spirit was fashioning everything into your life that you would need to be victorious and have and, and excel and achieve what God wanted for you in this life. And not only in this life, but in the one to come. When we get to heaven, we will know each other as God knows us because all the imperfections of this life will have been removed. <laughs> See, in this life, sin causes us to cover ourselves. You really don't know. Someone says, you really don't know that person when you're dating them. How many of that's true? You only see the best in people when you're dating. Why? Because they want to keep you in the dark. They want to make you think that they're good. <laughs> Listen, girls, they're lying to you. You need to ask them some hard questions. <clears throat> How long have you had this job that you're presently working at? And if they say two months, the next question is, how many jobs have you had in your last 25 years of your life? And if they say 16, that's the last date you go. <laughs> Can't count on somebody's had that many jobs. Why? It means they're unfaithful. Ask them how much money they have in the bank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, see, yeah, that's not your normal dating experience, is it? How much money you got? <laughs> it might be a good question for the girls to ask. Yeah, and then how many bills do you owe? The girl? The girl? Well, nowadays, you need to ask both of them. Because when you say, I do, you assume responsibility for the bills. And if the girl has bills, guys, they're yours. 
And girls, if the guys has bills, you're both responsible. There are some really good questions yet, but I but we don't ask this on date. Why? Because we're, sin makes us cover. You see, it started six thousand years ago when sin entered the picture. What did Adam and Eve try to do? They the first thing they tried to do was what? Cover. <laughs> Sin causes us to do that. We don't really know people emotionally. We don't know them really spiritually. We think we do. But when we get to heaven and we are finally liberated from the effects of sin, then we can truly be ourselves. You don't have to cover up out of fear that someone won't like you because that's what we do. We don't want people sometimes to know the real us. Because we're afraid if they know the real us, they might not like us. So we cover. I'm telling you the truth. We move in fear and we wonder if they really know how I am and if they know I have all these hang-ups, would they really love us? You see, Jesus knows you completely and intimately. He still loves you. And when we get to heaven, we're going to be loving people the same exact way. Because sin and the reproach of sin and the curse of sin will have been lifted. And we're going to be able to visit and see each other uh, really literally like, like we are. Death does not destroy the personality of a person, but liberates the soul. And everyone will be friends and loved ones. And all of us will be forever connected in a relationship that is, that is, that is pure there is not a relationship on earth as pure as the relationship that's going to be in heaven because we'll, for the first time, we'll be completely free of the hang-ups that we have here and now. And don't tell me that you sit here and you don't have any hang-ups. All of us have hang-ups. I have several. And all of you that laughed have several too. I like that, though. Death does not destroy the personality. That unique personality that makes you, you. God's not going to take that away. You will be you. He's just going to remove all the imperfections from our emotions and our, and our, and our, and our spirit. Amen? Peter, James, and John recognized Moses. They recognized Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration when those two prophets appeared before Jesus. Even though they did not live at that same time, even though they lived hundreds of years apart, they instantly recognized the prophet Moses and Elijah, not ever seeing them before. Why? Because there's a connection that is made. We are known. We will know each other. What will we do in heaven? Oh, my. Luke chapter 19. I'll not take time to, we got these verses. If you're, if you're journaling, you need to write these down. Luke chapter 19, verses 11 through 27, tells a parable of the servants about how he gave this, his servants something to do. And as a result of their faithfulness in carrying out what his, their responsibility was, he gave them responsibilities in the afterlife. You've been faithful in a few things. I won't make you rule over much. What are we going to be doing in heaven? You're going to help God rule the universe. Can't he do that himself? He's been doing it for a long time, but you know his plan is that he's going to share his rule with you. 
Isn't that an awesome thing? He's going to share his kingdom rule with you. You will not just be floating. You know, people have this concept of heaven that you're going to be floating around and, and you see the artist's portrayal of heaven. You're sitting on a cloud and you're playing a harp. I don't want to play a harp. Now, isn't that the dullest picture of heaven you've ever seen? I mean, here you are in a cloud, and you're floating around doing nothing. That would be the boringest experience. What are you going to do today? Oh, I'm just going to float around and play my harp. <laughs> Could have had a V8. Dear Jesus. I don't know where they come up with that stuff. Heaven's going to be nothing but tame. You're going to have very little time to float around on the cloud and play a harp. But I'll tell you some things you are be doing. We will worship without distraction. You talk about worship. Worship without distraction. Music like you have never heard before. Everybody's going to be able to sing. Everybody, everybody, your voice is going to be made perfect, even those of you that bell are here, you know. You're going to be able to join the choir and sing, and we're going to lift our voices. It's going to be such great time. We will serve without exhaustion. I'm telling you, there's going to be things for us to do. God has a plan for us that goes beyond your wildest imagination, and we will serve without exhaustion. We will fellowship without fear and prejudice. When you meet people and when you meet people in heaven and you and you and you approach them there's going to be a recognition there's going to be you're going to know who they are they're going to know who you are there's going to you you'll you'll know mom you'll know grandma you'll know grandpa i'm telling you you're going to know your family your friends and you're going to know people that is lived you you won't have to wonder who knows that you won't have to go to the movie to see him you'll know him you'll know who david is You'll know who the heroes of the Bible are. There'll be an instant connection with them. You'll know them. You'll know Gideon and all those old, the Old Testament heroes and the people you have read those stories about. You'll know them. And you will be eternally connected to them in, in a, such a pure relationship that you have never known before in your life. Free of prejudice and fear. Absolute love to, that we have never, ever experienced. You will learn without restraint. Remember what that scripture says? You are not going to know less in heaven than you know now. Your mind is going to be expanded because heaven is going to be a constant learning experience. The vast knowledge of God is so vast, you're not going to learn. You, we, it's going to be continually throughout the ceaseless age of eternity. We're going to be gathering more and more information about God, His program, His plans. Uh, it is going to, it, you talk about blowing your mind? How many, well, I think scientists say you use what, about 10% of your brain now? I mean, when, when our bodies are redeemed and that we go through that transfiguration and you begin to use all your faculties, your mental faculties, and the real computer of your brain begins to open up, I'm telling you, information is going to begin to be flooded into your life. You'll never, I'm telling you, it is beyond our wildest imagination. And then we'll have rest without boredom. Rest. All that stuff, all that activity, and you're still going to experience rest. How can that be? I don't know. That's not my job to explain it to you. Some people say, 
you know, you put on the tombstone, R.I.P., rest in peace. You can rest and be alive. And you will experience rest like you've never experienced before. And it'll be absolutely free. Some people, when they go on their vacation, they can't wait to get back home because they're bored. That's true. But there, we're going to experience rest. Then lastly, how can I be sure I'm going to heaven? You don't go to heaven because you have a lot of money. You don't go to heaven because you have a lot of friends. You don't go to heaven because you have a multitude of good works behind you. You go to heaven because of who you know. And you have to know Jesus. I know in our world there's all kinds of ways that they tell people, you know, there's many ways to God, and that's not true. There's many ways to Jesus. There's all, what I mean by that. There's a lot of things that, God, that Jesus uses to get you to him. But he's the only one that's going to get you to God. No one comes to the Father except through me. How can you know that you're going to heaven? You can know because you've received Christ as your Savior and Lord of your life. The most important question that you will ever have to answer in this life is that question. Many preachers have asked the question, if you knew you were going to die today, do you know you would make heaven? That question has been asked, Mike, probably millions of times across America throughout the last centuries. If you died today, would you know you would make heaven? And the answer to that, listen, the answer to that is going, is going, to, make, is going to decide where you're going to spend eternity. You will spend eternity somewhere. God wants you in heaven. God wants you in heaven. How do you do it? You accept Christ as your personal Savior. You repent of your sin. Ask him to come in to your heart. And your name will be written. They tell me of a city that's just beyond the sky. They say the population will never, ever die. There we shall walk forever upon those streets of gold. And in that land immortal, We'll never more grow old. Sing with me. I'm going to heaven. I'm going there when I die. I'm going to heaven in the sweet, sweet by and by. So angels take my order for a mansion and a crown. And in that book up yonder, just write my full name down. Every head bowed this morning. Amen. Go ahead and give God glory. I'm going to heaven. I'm going there when I die. I'm going to heaven in the sweet, sweet by and by. 
So angels take my order for a mansion and a crown. And in that book up yonder, just write my full name down. Are you ready? If you should die today, are you sure you would go to heaven? Are you sure? In a moment, I'm going to ask you to um, make a commitment with a show of hands. Only one way. Only one way. Do you know Christ is your Savior today? He wants to give the, you the title deed to a place He has prepared for you. I think of all of our loved ones that have gone before. Where are they at? They're in a good place. Imagine, I cannot imagine what they're experiencing today. They have, they have received, made it to the other side. How about us? If you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior, but you want to go to heaven when you die, can I see your hand across the building? Right up and right down. Get my attention as I, my eyes come across the building. Receive Christ as my Savior today, Pastor. I want to go to heaven when I die. Here's my hand. As I come across the building, let me see your hand right up and right down. God bless you. I see that hand. There are others across the building. My eyes are coming back. I want to go to heaven when I die. God bless you. God bless you in the back. Here's my hand. God bless you. Here's my hand. I want to go when I die. I want to go to that place. I want to go to that place. I'll wait just a moment. My eyes are coming back across the building. I want to go to heaven when I die, Pastor. God bless you. God bless you. I want to go to heaven when I die. God bless you. I want to go to heaven when I die. Here's my hand. I see you in the back. God bless you guys. Here in the front. I see your hand. That's good, God. We have the place of prayer just for you just for you those of you that raise your hand will you stand right where we're at you do that and I'm going to ask you to repeat a prayer after me today will you stand right where you're at I'm going to ask you to repeat a prayer with me I'll say it you'll repeat it after me the only requirement is that you meet it with all your heart we'll wait for you to stand I'm going to heaven I'm going there when I die others, we'll wait for you to stand. Don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated. Today's the most important decision you'll ever make.
words after me. And the only requirement is that you mean it with all your heart. Today, I'm serious with God. Today. Say it with me, Lord Jesus. Forgive me of my sin and come into my life and make me new. I receive you today as the Lord and Savior of my life. I want to go to heaven. Amen. Everybody stand around me. Some of you are standing, kids are standing. Put your hand on their shoulder. Will you do that? Welcome them to the family today. Will you do that? Welcome them to the family. Some of you are sitting close by. Welcome them to the family of God. Their citizenship has been changed. Our citizenship has been changed. And now you're a citizen of a heavenly kingdom.